Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. On her long motion towards the center, now back towards the right. Raiders come with four. Here comes the fifth rusher. And he's sacked! And the Raiders' defense holds on fourth down. And I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. TDLB! Raiders in the end zone! Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And here we go, Raider Nation. Here we go. Boy, oh boy. Everything is moving fast and furious. Didn't know what time we were going to, or what what it was going to be like when we got to this time of the year. Getting down to the 53-man roster. And remember, this is the initial 53-man roster, but it has happened. The time has come and gone. It was at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We all had our expectations. We all had our thoughts. We all tried to, you know, put our GM hat and Pencil in the 53-man roster, and as I said on my podcast this morning on the Lockdown Raiders podcast, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and do 53 men. It's guaranteed to be wrong. And guess what, Raider Nation? It was wrong. <laughs> there was a lot of wrong in uh, in my 53-man projection, as I'm sure there was a lot of uh, wrong in a lot of people's 53-man projection. Even though you'll get the one or two, DeMond, I have no doubt about it, that will call in and be like, I had it right. I knew this guy was going to be on. I knew this guy was going to be gone. I knew this was going to happen. I knew, I knew, I knew until you didn't really do it. But, hey, congratulations to anyone who, who got it right. And, again, we don't even have the official list of everyone that was released or waived or traded or cut, whatever the case may be. But we have a good idea of the 53-man roster right now for the silver and black. And I think that there was probably about a handful of jobs up for grabs, as we mentioned multiple times. And we'll go over, uh, you know, what our expectations, what our thoughts are on what we saw uh, come out and roll out may- really all day today as there's been so many different transactions going on fast and furious around the NFL. But Raider Nation, let me tell you, we have an absolute loaded show for you today. Damon Cotton, he's in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in the home studio. I was over at Raiders HQ earlier today. I was recording some stuff with Eddie Pascal for upon further review, so you'll be able to check that out later on uh, in podcast form on uh, both YouTube, the Raiders YouTube page, and also uh, you'll hear it right here on this radio station, Raider Nation Radio 920. So excited about that. But uh, back in the home studio, and as I mentioned, have a ton of, to get to on today's show coming up at 2.30 from the Review Journal and also our sister station ESPN Las Vegas. We'll have our good friend Adam Hill. He'll join the show to talk about uh, not every single cut, every single release, whatever the case is, but the ones that stood out to him in a major way. And, of course, we're going to be talking about the ones that stood out in a major way as well uh, amongst ourselves here on the show. But Adam Hill will join us at 2.30. 3 o'clock, our good friend John McClain. He'll join us to talk all things NFL in general. We'll just kind of uh, go over the whole scheme of the whole league and talk about what stood out to him today uh, by a lot of the cuts, a lot of the releases, a lot of the waving. And remember, guys that get waived, they have to clear waivers. So they're still, they got a 24-hour process where teams have an opportunity to claim them. And if you're wondering where the Raiders stand in that wave process, they're sitting at number 22. So if they want to pick up someone that was maybe waived from, say, the Texans. I'm just throwing them out there because John's in Houston and, uh, you know, he covers the Texans. So maybe they want to pick someone up off the Texans squad that was waived. Well, they're 22nd in line. 
They're the 22nd team that has the, the right to pick up that player. So if any of those other 21 teams want to pick up that same player, the Raiders will not get that player. But if they get down to number 22 and they say, yeah, we'll pick them up off waivers, then that's what they'll do. And they have to pick up that contract as well. So whatever the contract for that player may be, that's, uh, that's what will happen. So there's a lot to get to when it comes to waived, released, and cut. And there's a difference uh, with all those different, uh, uh, you know, the, the – the way that they're classified. So uh, John McClain will join us at 3 o'clock to talk all about that. At 3.30, as we do on every Tuesday, we have the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the, the Week Award. Excited about that. This is week two of the high school football season. Just got wrapped up, and we'll be talking to Coach Matt Gerber from Arborview High School. Uh, came away with a nice victory, 38-6 uh, to over uh, Shadow Ridge, and uh, really got there really got their offense cooking because the first week of the season they went out of state, they played against a big-time powerhouse, and they won 7-0. <laughs> That's it. Was able to win 7-0, but they were able to pick up a 38-6 win over Shadow Ridge uh, last Friday based off and, and really on the strength of Makai Donaldson, who ran for 147 yards and three touchdowns just on his own. So uh, there's a lot of good playmakers for uh, Arbor View. They have a very stout defense, and uh, obviously they're getting their uh, their offense cooking as well. So Coach Matt Gerber will join us at 3.30 to talk about his team, his program, also talk about being the recipient of the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the of the Week Award. And um, always a pleasure to be able to talk to high school football coaches. So that'll be at 3.30 at 4 o'clock. Lincoln Kennedy, our normal Tuesday and Thursday guest here on Red Nation Radio 920, he'll join us to talk about uh, the 53 Man roster, talk about what he saw from the Raiders picking up a, another victory in preseason on Friday night against the Patriots and going 4 0 for the first time in franchise history. Also, talk about all the alumni that were in the building. Just have a really good conversation with Lincoln as we always do on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So, Lincoln will join us at 4 o'clock. And then at 4 30, going to take a sharp right turn and we're going to talk to Sheena Quick. She's a Panthers beat writer and you know, selfishly, I, I'm, I'm intrigued by the Panthers. I really am. You know, uh, I'm a Matt Rule guy. I've said it from day one. I have no problem saying that. He's going into year three. And Matt Rule's got a lot of high expectations uh, there in Carolina with the Panthers. And, of course, picked up Baker Mayfield. They square up against uh, the Cleveland Browns week one. That's going to be the revenge game. Obviously, Baker Mayfield's already had some statements that he's made about that game and the team he's going to be playing against Cle versus Cleveland. So uh, we'll talk to Sheena about that. We'll talk to her about some of the trades and some of the moves that the Panthers have made and a move that they haven't made yet. And I'm actually surprised that maybe they won't end up making that move. But uh, we talked about it on yesterday's show. I thought Denzel Mims, uh, the, the New York Jets wide receiver, I thought he was going to be sure to be a guy that was going to be traded to Carolina, and they have not made that move yet. He's very familiar with Matt Rule. So I uh, just want to kind of get uh, the thoughts from Sheena all things Carolina Panthers, so we'll do that at 4.30. So a loaded guest lineup for the show today. Adam Hill at 2.30, John McClain at 3, Coach Matt Gerber from Arborview High School at 3.30, Lincoln Kennedy at 4, and Sheena Quick will join us at 4.30 to close it out. So we're going to go fast and furious in between that by the way, we're also going to hear from Marcus Allen, one of the Raider alumni that we talked to, the great Marcus Allen, the Hall of Famer. Uh, you're going to hear from him coming up around 2.45. Talk to him at, on Friday. And then also the great Raymond Chester. We're going to uh, hear from him as well. Had an opportunity to catch up with him. You'll hear from him around 3.45. So as you can tell, there's a lot to get to on this show. So let's go ahead and do that. Let's jump right into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. Well, 
I don't have the official list of the 53-man roster right now as it stands. Don't have a list of everyone who made the team and who didn't make the team, but I think that all the headlines are already out there. Uh, the national guys like Shefty and Rap Sheet, they've already put it out there multiple times, had plenty of people talking about uh, you know, these, these moves that the Raiders have made, have had pe- plenty of people tweeting at me, texting at me, calling at me, uh, asking what's going on with the silver and black and some big-time moves. And, Damon, we'll start off with you. Uh, we heard the news earlier about former first-round pick Alex Leatherwood, number 17 overall, uh, does not get traded. Uh, actually ends up getting waived by the team, so he is no longer part of the, the roster. And then we found out a little bit later on, Trayvon Mullen, the former second-round pick out of Clemson, he gets traded to the Arizona Cardinals. So when you saw that and you heard that, what were your initial thoughts? My initial thoughts took me back to a line from The Wire. The thing about the old days is that they the old days. And this new regime has no ties to anyone from that previous regime. Yep. Alex Leatherwood, a first-round pick. Ed and I were talking yesterday. I was on the side with Ed. Hey, we're in the minority, but I think they're going to keep him. And it was solely off of the fact he was a first-round pick. Right. That's just, hey, you don't give up on a first-round pick that easy. You can have that same Alex Leatherwood third-round pick. Hey, if they got to cut him, they got to cut him. But just first-round pick, that shocked me as well. And then Trayvon Mullen, we just never saw him. Right. So I think that for the Raiders – only a six-round pick, a conditional six-round pick. Yeah. That, that also, that's, that's astounding to me, that you're going to trade a second-round pick and maybe getting back a six in return. That's almost what the same, the tra- the same deal they made for uh, Tyree Gillespie. Right. I mean, look, and this is the thing. I mean, at least this was a 2023, right? This is the next year, so that's, that's positive. But I'll say this, and people get so tired of me saying it, but it's, it rings true. The best ability is availability. Trayvon Mullen last season wasn't available. He had off-season surgery. He didn't play in training camp. He didn't participate in training camp till the very end, till the, the last minute to when he had to uh, be at practice or else going to be out at least four weeks. That's when he appeared. So that's when he was activated off the pup list. How many preseason games did we see him in? None. We didn't see him at all. So as far as I'm concerned, he probably wasn't going to play. Right. You know, there's a good good chance that he probably wasn't going to play. Seen plenty of different reports out there and uh, different speculation about Trayvon Mullen. But it just seems like uh, he wasn't in the cards, you know, and and I kept saying every single preseason game, Trayvon Mullen, Trayvon Mullen, Trayvon Mullen. Want to see him get some some reps out there, get a few series, get 15 to 20, you know, reps under his belt, some snaps under his belt. Never saw it happen. So I just don't think that uh, he was quite ready to go. Right, And if he wasn't ready to go, this team and this regime is what uh, I'm learning. They're ready to go. You know, everyone wants to talk about what this team could do this year and what they could do next year. What's it looking like? What's the window looking like? We've been talking about the window since Dave Ziegler and and Champ Kelly and and Josh McDaniels have been hired. Their window, again, as I thought, is about a three-year window. So if these guys aren't ready to win right now, then they're not waiting up for them. You know, like, perfect example, Alex Leatherwood. I think the dude could probably play at some point, right? What, what I said about him all basically training camp and preseason long is I felt like he lost his confidence. I think he can get that back. You know, we talked to Ted Nguyen yesterday from The Athletic, and he said, hey, he probably just needs to sit down for a little while, sit down and, get, and regain his confidence, learn how to get his confidence back. On a team with no expectations like a Atlanta Falcons or – a Carolina Panthers or a Jacksonville Jaguars. And I'm just throwing out some random names that we're not, we're not penciling in to be, you know, playoff contenders. You know, teams like that, I think Alex Leatherwood could go there, work on his game, work on his craft, get better, get back that mojo that he had when he was at Alabama, when he was receiving all those awards, when he was highly touted, and, and, and be a, a quality player in this league. I think that that's possible. But when you look at what the Raiders have and what they've built and what they're looking for this year, did they really have time to wait? 
I don't think so. I think ultimately that's what happened. They did not have time to wait, and that's why all options were on the table, as our very own Vinny Bonsignor reported. You know, they couldn't find a trade partner, so they waived him. You know, it just, it just is what it is. It happens, right? And so uh, at some point, probably tomorrow or so, we'll end up talking to, uh, to GM Dave Ziegler and uh, assistant GM Dave uh, and uh, Champ Kelly. We'll get an opportunity to talk to them at some point, and we'll ask them the questions that, that we have. But at the end of the day, Alex Leatherwood's no longer a Raider, and Trayvon Mullen, as the Arizona Cardinals have tweeted out, have completed the trade for, uh, you know, he's on his way to Arizona. So, I mean, that's as about as official as you can get. Again, we're waiting for the official 53-man roster to be sent over to us by the Raiders. But, you know, I think, again, those are the, probably the two biggest names. So, uh, Raider Nation, I want to hear from you. And this is one of those days, and, you know, I was telling – Telling the good friends, uh, my, my good friend Eddie Pascal over there at the Raiders while we were recording some stuff for a Palm Further Review, kind of days like today, is you know, the show writes itself, right? I mean, we come in with the game plan for the show, but honestly, this is one of those days where it's like Raider Nation. Come fast, come furious. Let us know what's on your mind. Let us know what you're hearing, what you're thinking. 702-365-9200. Uh, how surprised and shocked are you by Alex Leatherwood? And really, I wasn't shocked or surprised by Alex Leatherwood. I was more shocked and surprised by Trayvon Mullen and the fact that they were able to trade him and that they did trade him. Uh, you know, and I think that uh, our guy, uh, Raider Mack, he'll actually call in at some point, I'm sure, and will say, hey, I told you about Trayvon Mullen because to his credit, and this is one of the calls I remember, he's been calling in for weeks saying, I don't think Trayvon Mullen's that guy. I don't think he's that guy. And, well, clearly the Raiders didn't think he was that guy either or his ability and availability wasn't there to be that guy. So they shipped him off to Arizona for a conditional pick. It's a conditional seventh that could be turned into a sixth. So uh, if you're the Raiders, you're hoping that he goes out there and puts in some work so you can get that, that pick improved to, you know, a 2023 six-round pick. So Raider Nation, again, want to hear from you at 702-365-9200. Also, the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. We got a ton of text messages to get to. Again, we have Adam Hill from the RJ and ESPN Las Vegas, our sister station, coming up at 2.30 to give his thoughts. But let's start things off with Raider Sean. He said, what up, Q? Gardner Johnson just went for a sixth and a seventh. He's way better than Mullen. Glad we got something for him, not like he was C. Wood or something. Jeez, I, 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 I'm with you. I'm with you. You know, I'm, I'm surprised just because it wasn't on my, my radar that he was going to be traded. I mean, that was the biggest thing. You know, when I did my 53-man roster for my Locked On Raiders podcast and I released it this morning, I had him on the roster. I actually had cut Anthony Averett, and I had cut Anthony Averett because I went with Sam Webb, and I thought, hey, you know what? Sam Webb has earned him a spot. I think he solidified that spot on Friday night against the Patriots, but I was anticipating that Trayvon Mullen was going to be there. But, DeMond, as you know, how many times did I say throughout the course of this uh, training camp and preseason – Boy, it sure would be nice to see Trayvon Mullen get a little bit of burn out there. You said it constantly, and also I think that the Raiders organization, those front office guys, the same way you would talk about Clee Farrell, like, man, I kind of forgot about Clee. Yeah. That's what actually happened to Trayvon Mullen. Right. Out of sight, out of, sight, out of mind. You just didn't see him enough, and I think that this trade, man, I just can't get over how shocking it is because this is obviously more shocking than Leatherwood. Yeah, because I think got, we, yes. we have been talking about uh, Leatherwood for a while, or like my man Jason in Maryland said, we've been dumping on Leatherwood for a while. And <laughs> look, we, we I mean, I, I don't make it sound like that. I just remember that text from yesterday. But uh, again, as uh, you know, as it pertains to all these players that are, are losing their jobs today, look, that's like 800-something guys across the league. And these are our dreams for these guys. You know, just like this is a dream for me to come on the radio every day and be able to talk to you. I mean, these these are dreams. So, you know, some of these dreams are are going to get rekindled with other teams. Some of these guys will get 
you know, signed to the Raiders practice squad, and some guys may not, you know, play the game anymore. So, uh, you know, definitely want to, you know, be be cautious of, of the fact that these guys are 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 humans. They're just like us, and and they're living out their dreams. But you know, I, I again, I think that Alex Leatherwood for him. He has the opportunity now to find some place where the expectations aren't super high, and he can go out there and and uh, you know perform and get his confidence back. I, I promise you, I think the physicality is there. I know that uh, Ted yesterday talked about you know some of his mechanics, but I mean think about this: he's only a one-year guy, right? He's only been in the league one year, played tackle and guard last year. Um, we've talked to Lincoln many times about things that he sees that he needs to improve on. I mean, if he goes out there and 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 works on a team and and masters his craft. He could end up being a really good player. It's just he's not what the Raiders need right now. I think that's the biggest key to any of these moves that have been made. I think most people need to realize the Raiders are playing to win right now. And so they're going to go ahead and they're going to load this roster up with guys that they believe can help them win now, like a Luke Masterson, like a Darian Butler, like guys like that. Those guys look like undrafted free agents who have solidified their, their spot, right? I haven't heard anything about those guys being moved on from, so it sounds like that, you know, there's a good chance that both those guys have made the squad. So, um, you know, I, I had talked about that in a major way that I thought it was either one or the other, but haven't heard any news about either one of those guys, so I'm feeling like there's a good chance that that they both made the squad. So if they did, then great. You know, that's a great way to bolster that linebacking position that for the longest Raider Nation has been saying, man, need a big-time linebacker, need a big-time linebacker. Both guys look like they did some good things throughout the course of the preseason. But we want to hear from you, 702-365-9200. Let's go out to Raider Mike. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? What's up, Q? What's up, man? I'm kind of shocked by what's going on, but I like what they're doing. This team, this new regime, Zig. Ziggy and uh, McDaniels, we didn't know until it happened that we pulled Chandler. We did not know it happened until Devontae happened that day. These guys are calculated. They know what they're doing. He's rolling into the room with six rings on his fingers. You know, they know what they're doing. I think there's going to be a lot of movement around our team for the next eight to ten days, and this roster is going to change drastically. The right tackle, Mumford's not going to be the answer, even though he did go against Bosa and uh, Chase Young when he was at uh, Ohio State. So he's been up against the beast, so they see way more in a seventh-round pick than Gruden's last bad pick. I mean, we've had nothing – but bad picks in the first round other than Jacobs and Abrams. So trust the process, I guess, is what I'm saying, Nation. Yeah. Don't freak out. We are still loaded all over the place, and these guys know how to fix those holes. Deron Harmon, great pickup. He's going to kill a safety. Rocky Sin, he's going to be a great cornerback. And guess what? We pulled Nate Hobbs in the fifth round. And I think he's going to be a great starting corner for us. I mean, he killed it last year. So just keep the faith, nation, and uh, let's go kick San Diego's ass, or L.A., whatever they call them, serve <laughs> now. Peace out, bro. Thank you. 
Raider Mike, thank you for the call. Appreciate you. And, yeah, I mean, that's the thing, man. I, I really trust this front office. I really do. I feel very confident in the moves that they make. Uh, they know what they're looking for, and they went out there and they got what they're looking for, right? Uh, they were very calculated in the draft. They went and got two offensive linemen, two defensive linemen, and got two running backs, right? I mean, it just feels like everything that they're doing, they're doing with a purpose. So I give them the benefit of the doubt. And uh, officially, when I officially get the list in my hand, uh, then I'll you know feel more confident, obviously, talking about all these different moves. But, you know, everything that we've been seeing, there's some that are already out there. We got one text on the Salmon Ash text line, uh, 69187, keyword R&R on the, from the 408. Don't forget, y'all on the radio thought Darius Phillips was a lock to Mesa roster. And I'm not too sure. I, I picked Darius Phillips on my 53-man roster, but I don't ever remember really having conversations about him except for saying that he could uh, – you know, he could be he could slide up in that nickel position if you had Nate Hobbs on the outside. And that's when we were talking about Nate Hobbs on the, as an outside corner. And what was that, DeMond, uh, like four weeks ago, it felt like? Yeah, I mean, almost like <laughs> the beginning of training camp when it's like, hey, Nate Hobbs has been playing yeah. a little bit when it was, hey, you could finally see it at training camp. Right, But exactly. also I want to add to that texture there. I've been team Amika the whole time. You have. I didn't think Amika was going to make the roster, and I haven't seen anything that says he hasn't. So, you know, again, I, and I, I let this be known a long time ago. Our 53-man roster that we're going to put out is guaranteed to be wrong. And anyone – I started the show off that way. Anyone who says that theirs wasn't wrong, they're lying to you, right? I mean, there's no way that anyone has any idea all 53 men. There's no way. You know, and that's with being able to throw 40 of them out there and feel confident that they are going to make the squad. You're still going to get somebody right. But uh, I, I, I remember talking about DP as a guy who could slide up into the slot, but I never once said he was a lock for the roster. So I'm not sure, uh, you know, where you got that from. But, um, hey, you know, I saw that release earlier today, and it, it, it did kind of surprise me, you know, just because, again, he, he's, a, he's another corner. He's another guy that could provide a role. But, you know, that bodes well for Sam Webb, a guy that – you know, I talked about it, and I also said that I think he solidified his job on that uh, Friday night against the Patriots. I think he really did a good job. So, again, we'll get, the, we'll get the full roster at some point. You never know. And, look, this is just the first the first run at it. Things are going to change. Teams are going to move on from certain guys. The Raiders are going to look and say, you know what, I'd rather have that guy than this guy. I mean, things are going to change a lot probably in the next 48 hours. Guys are going to sign back to the practice squad. I've seen a couple people text in and ask, do you think Alex Leatherwood will sign back to the practice squad? No. I think that that ship has sailed. And I mean, just think about that. If you are a former first-round pick, number 17 overall, and then you get, you get waived, and then they say, hey, we're going to bring you back, put you on the practice squad, I mean, just for me, that's an ego killer. Right? I mean, that's the ego killer. And I like to be as humble as possible, but that's, that's to me, that's one of those situations like, no, nah, that's cool, man. Uh, I'll go ahead and get that. I'll go get another job. Right? I mean, that's, that's just me. Maybe, maybe that's, you know, other guys would take that. I, I don't think so. And I, I do think that a team will probably, uh, I would say, pick them up on waivers, but then they have to pick up that contract. So he's going to have guys that are going to, that teams that are going to want him. There's no doubt. The dude's got talent. He didn't make it in the NFL because he's not talented. He just has to get his confidence back, and he has to be somewhere where the expectations aren't sky high. And for the Raiders this year, they were sky high. It's just, it's just that simple as far as I'm concerned. Uh, let's go back out to the phone, phone lines, talk to a Danish Raider. Welcome to the show, my man. What's on your mind? What's up, gentlemen? How you guys doing? Chilling, man. Chilling. Well, I think it's pretty clear at this point that no one in the NFL thinks that Alex Leatherwood can play tackle at that level. They brought him in to play tackle, and this is two regimes that didn't think he could play tackle at that level, and that includes Lincoln Kennedy. I am pretty surprised about it because I thought he was solid, decent at guard. 
But I guess there's no room for him there. And Damon, I wanted to mention my my fiance is from Tennessee, so we're going to be flying out there in about a month to see them play the Titans. My brother and I are going to be decked out in our Raiders gear. They're all going to be wearing their Titans gear, her whole family. So it is on, baby. And I'll see you guys if you're out there. All right, Danny Schrader can't rate. Yeah, yeah, good stuff, man. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you for the call. Appreciate you. And, yeah, I mean, the thing about it is this was not – Alex Leatherwood was not the – this this regime's pick. So they're moving on. Of course, they're taking a financial hit, but they can say, hey, look, that wasn't our bad, right? That wasn't – that just wasn't our guy. And he probably is a guard, something we've talked about. He probably is better suited to be guard. You saw where he played the rest of the majority of last season. You know, it's just – it, it kind of is what it is. They feel better about the position that they have right now with the guys that they have. You know, Dylan Parham has been playing three different positions on the interior – so I think they feel great with that, you know, with that uh, pickup that they got in the third round out of Memphis. I don't know. I mean, Thayer Mumford looked like before he got injured that he had an opportunity to be a starter. Jermaine Illuminor has looked like he seized the moment. I think Jackson Barton is a good player. I think he did well in, the, in, in training camp. There's a lot there going on. So uh, we definitely appreciate the call, and we'll see what happens. But I'm pretty sure that Alex Leatherwood will be signing with another team sooner rather than later. And I, when I say sooner, I mean in the next couple of days. Uh, let's get one more quick call in. How about Robert in Portland? Welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Hey, guys. Uh, I got a question. You know, okay. Graham seems to have a tremendous influence on both sides of the ball. When he was defensive coordinator with the Giants last year, you know, the Giants, uh, they just outplayed the Raiders up front primarily in that game. It was an interesting game in my in my book. But what I liked about it, when he uses that 3-4 defense, I think Klee stayed with the team because Klee had a good third preseason. What was your gut feeling on Farrell staying aboard? Because he did cover the edge when yep. he was all alone over there. And I thought that was a key reason why he's still around, because they see him as more functional and more flexible than some of the other guys up front. Yeah, good call, Robert. I appreciate you. And, you know, with Klee, I think this, man, uh, he played three different positions on Friday night against the Patriots in, in, in week four, right? He went out there and played that. He played outside, he played inside, and he also dropped in coverage. I mean, he, he was very versatile. I don't think that Klee has a defined role, like one position. I, I really don't. He's one of those guys, and I hate to use that, that term tweener, but he's kind of one of those guys that's in between any of these positions. But what he does have – it's something that you can't measure. He's got that heart. He's got that effort where he's going to give you everything he's got. And if you ask him to play inside, damn it, he'll play inside. If you ask him to play outside, damn it, he'll go outside. If you say, hey, Clee, I need you to drop in, in coverage, he will. And when I talked to him after the game and I saw what he did on, on Friday night, I thought, okay, in a limited amount of snaps, he looked pretty decent out there. Knowing that he hadn't really done a whole lot all training camp because he got injured on the first day of pads, he sounded very comfortable and confident in his role. He felt like he knew the defense pretty well just from the, um, you know, from the classroom. And, you know, he was understanding what the coaches were trying to teach and coach him. I, there was a lot to take away from that conversation. It was about, what, about four and a half minutes that we had with Klee in the locker room following the game on Friday night. And I, I thought that that, was, that told me a lot. So I felt very comfortable saying that I thought Klee was going to make the roster. And who knows what the future is going to hold for him. But he has the right attitude, and he's that kind of guy that's going to give you everything that you got. So... 
I'm very comfortable with Klee being on this team, and I think Patrick Graham is very comfortable as well with him being part of the mix. So thank you so much for that call. Uh, Danish Raider, thank you for your call. Uh, Raider Mike, I appreciate you as well getting us started. Of course, all the texts that we have, we'll get to a lot of those. Salmon Ash text line 69187, keyword R&R. Coming up next, Adam Hill from the Las Vegas Review-Journal, also ESPN Las Vegas, our sister station. He'll join the show to talk about Trayvon Mullen, talk about Alex Leatherwood and more. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. Uh, Alex took a lot of reps. He's played a lot of football for us. I think he knows our system a lot more now than he did, um, you know, in April. And that that's true for every offensive player uh, on our team. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, like I said, we're going to use the next few days here to sort it out. But uh, certainly he's in a mix in all those conversations. Um, you know, having tough decisions to make because you feel like you got a lot of guys competing for him uh, is a good problem to have. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. From Jermaine Illuminor on Twitter, he said, This time last year I've been cut for a second time in four days. It sucks more than y'all know. That's why I'll never take making a 53 for granted. With that being said, I appreciate all your support. It means a lot. Again, that's Jermaine Illuminor uh, on Twitter. And you heard Josh McDaniels talking about Alex Leatherwood uh, just a couple days ago following the game on Friday. Join us now on the phone lines to talk about the Raiders' cuts is our good friend Adam Hill from the RJ, also ESPN Las Vegas, our sister station. And Adam, we'll start with uh, the big elephant in the room, Alex Leatherwood. Uh, we saw the tweets. We saw the, uh, the information that he had been officially waived after one year with the silver and black. Ultimately, you're out there at practice just like I am every day. What do you think went wrong with uh, Alex Leatherwood? Uh, well, I, I think let's start with what first went wrong was drafting him where they drafted him. Right. Right. And it, it's, you know, people are talking about, oh, he sucks or all this stuff. Like, that's, that's ridiculous things to say. Um, the expectations were set in place by the Raiders drafting him where they picked him. Uh, and, you know, obviously that's not the staff that's around now, but they set him up uh, to have all these massive, you know, this massive weight on his shoulder being a first round pick. He never should have been a first round pick. I mean, I think a lot of people had him second round. I think most analysts really had him as a third round potential pick. And, you know, then you draft him in the first, and everybody expects him to just be a superstar right away. And he struggled, I think, coming into the league, obviously. He started those first four games, was moved to guard. I thought played a little bit better toward the end of the year. But um, I think clearly confidence was lacking, and I think that was a big part of his issues as he came into the league. If he was picked in the second or third round, he might have been able to ease into things a little bit more. But... Um, I, I think this is good for everybody. I mean, he wasn't going to be part of the rotation right away with the Raiders. Um, maybe could have tried to move the guard and get him up to speed, but this is a team that wants to play really well. They have high expectations this year. You can't allow a guy a time uh, allow a guy time to grow into it when you want to win and win right now. So uh, they move on from him, and I think a good opportunity for him to go somewhere else, maybe a practice squad, maybe Jordan 53 potentially, but uh, to really you know find himself and develop and not have those same kind of expectations maybe in his next cop, although he'll always be saddled with the fact that he was a first-round pick. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing about it, and I mentioned this as the show started, that I think that he has a chance to get picked up by some team. They're not going to pick him up off waivers because it's too much money, but they'll sign him. And I think that as long as they don't have you know, high expectations, they can be a team that allows him to grow. I think that he's really set himself up for a better better uh, you know opportunity moving forward. Yeah, yeah for sure. And like I said, like, the problem is he's always going to have that first-round pick attached to his name. Uh, so there will always be some expectations on him for, the, for good and bad. I mean, for a lot of players, 
you get a second and the third contract just based on the fact that you're a first round pick and you have that talent. So that'll always be on him, but it won't be the team that won't be the team that picked him. So it will change a little bit for him in terms of expectations. And I think finding himself and finding a place where he's comfortable and uh, can you know develop without those you know high you know that high thing attached to him. I think it'll be a lot better for him. It was clear just talking to him this offseason, like the confidence was completely shot yeah. with Alex Leatherwood, and um, you know maybe a fresh start helps him out. That that often happens. Right, I agree, and I, I've been pounding the table about the confidence. I've been trying to tell anyone who'll listen that his confidence is shot, and I honestly believe I know when it happened. It was a rep against Chandler Jones, one of the first times we were on the defensive side of the field when we were there at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, and it was actually Chandler Jones had just returned to practice, and he just he just wrecked him. I mean, it was just a, a rep where he wrecked him, and you could just see that doubt just creeped into to Alex's head, and you know, it's just confidence is tough, Adam. If you don't have it, it's it's hard to do anything without confidence. For sure, and like there's there's plenty of practice reps that you could point to, and even going back to last year. But I'll say this: if you know, for those that might question what we're saying and might say, you know, it's not confidence; he just doesn't have the ability or whatever. That's fine. But I'll I'll point you to two plays um, back a couple weeks ago, and I'm try- I think it was the Miami game actually that I'm that I'm thinking about here. Uh, everybody talks about the whiff that he had, right? That he allowed a sack, just completely whiff on the pass rush. And it was, it was a really, really bad rep. Obviously, it was replayed over and over again. People saw how bad that was. But I would tell people, look at the previous play. The previous play to that whip that everybody has seen was the play that he just got completely driven back. Uh, he, was trying to, he was trying to block. He was trying to you know, stand his guy up. Instead, the guy got leveraged and just shoved him back into the quarterback. I think it was Mullins at the time. And caused an incompletion where Leatherwood is actually the one that contacted the yeah. quarterback in his throw. That was back-to-back plays. So the one play led to another. And I think that, that tells you all you need to know about his two worst plays in that game were back-to-back, and I think it was because he was still thinking about the previous play. I'm sure he's thinking about what it's going to look like on tape, everybody criticizing him and pointing it out, and then it happened to him again. So I think it was pretty clear uh, for those that are kind of around him you know, often that confidence was a huge issue for him. And you know, we've seen that kind of develop, and, and, and the Raiders just, just don't have time to wait right now. Right, exactly. We're talking again with Adam Hill from the Las Vegas Review-Journal, also our sister station ESPN Las Vegas, talking about the Raiders' 53-man roster. And, Adam, as we don't have the official roster in our hand right now, we did see the official... thirty two. <laughs> I know! I know! And everything was supposed to be in at one, which it was, but we don't have it yet, officially. But we did see Trayvon Mullen officially traded to the Cardinals. The Cardinals tweeted that out themselves. Uh, what did you think about Trayvon Mullen? That's a, that's a move I actually did not see coming. I was kicking myself, too. I, I was so close yesterday. Uh, you know, we ran our projection in, in the paper this morning. I was so close because me and um, me and Vinny from the, you know, also from the station, from the paper, yep. uh, we kind of did it together. It was a collaborative effort. We kind of came to our 53-man roster. And I was so close to trying to talk Vinny into keeping Trayvon Mullen off the roster. Uh, I, I just had a sense. And it wasn't, it's really nothing necessarily against Trayvon. He missed so much of last year. Obviously, he had a hard time getting on the field. And he missed so much of training camp. Yep. And he only had a couple of practices. And when you fall that far behind, it's just really tough. And then you looked at kind of the rotations in practice. And he was working his way back into the rotation. But you look and say, okay, he's not starting. All right, where, where does he kind of fit in here? And I know they, they say, hey, look, it's not first team and second team. But it is. Uh, and he just wasn't there. And I... You know, in my mind, I said, you know what? He's going to be there. He's so talented. He's obviously done a lot of work uh, in this organization, and um, he's going to be there in the end. But 
there was something just that kept saying to me, like, maybe he's not. And I, I wish I would have said it. I didn't. Obviously, I can't, uh, <laughs> I can't say I did. I, I didn't have the courage to do it. Uh, but I, was, I might not have been as shocked as I ordinarily would have been just because I didn't know exactly where he fit in the rotation. And, look, some of the cornerbacks on this roster have played really, really well. I think, you know, Rocky Finn has been good. We've seen that in practice. Obviously, Nate Hobbs has been taking his game to a completely different level. Uh, Anthony Averett, I think, has been, you know, better than maybe expected. And uh, Sam Webb obviously played really well. Like, I, a lot of the corners just played well, and they just kind of left him behind. And I don't think it's necessarily a knock on Trayvon Bowen except for the fact that he just wasn't there. Yeah, Adam, you mentioned that he just wasn't there, and it's 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 a bit of a two-parter for both of the players that were released in Alex Leatherwood and Trayvon Mullen that got traded. Do you think that it was more of, hey, these guys were just too far behind, the Raiders just didn't believe that they were going to be able to get it done on the field, or did someone outwork them for the Raiders to say, hey, we're comfortable with making the move? Yeah, I think it's all those things. I mean, I think in, in Alex Leatherwood's case, like he got to show a lot. He's, he was best, he's been there through the OTAs. Been there through the offseason, uh, been there at practice every day, and just, you know, in, in very many reps, as, as we pointed out, getting uh, getting kind of abused by some of the defensive players. So I think in Leatherwood's case, it's different uh, than, than it might be for Trayvon Mullen. And, and, and also, in Leatherwood's case, look, Thayer Munford, I think a guy that nobody really expected at the beginning of camp to make a push uh, like he has. Not only has he made a push to be on the roster, but you know, he's made a push to, I think, at, at some point when he's healthy, be the starting right tackle. So I think, it, it, you know, it, it's always a case of both, right? I mean, you have to, you know, either not show anything or play your way out of the position or have somebody just beat you out. And I think it's a combination of all those things all the time. Uh, they they were more comfortable with their buffer than I thought they would be, uh, than they probably expected to be. And I think on the other side, it's the same with, you know, guys like, uh, I just mentioned, guys like Sam Webb, who I don't think at the beginning of camp anybody really thought uh, was going to be that kind of a player. Um, you know, he, he steps up as well, and, uh, we'll see exactly how the, the construction of the roster is the next couple of days. But, yeah, I think that they, they grew more and more comfortable with some of those players behind them on the depth chart that just kind of forced their way in. All right, Adam, ever since the start of training camp, I've been one of those people saying the Raiders need to bring out somebody, bring on someone from the team outside for that right tackle spot. Bring on a veteran for the offensive line. Now that we see that the 53-man rosters are going to be established, in the next couple of days, do you think the Raiders bring someone in from the outside or stay as, stay as is on that offensive line? It just depends who they like, right? I mean, I, I'm sure right now I, I will promise you that uh, Dave Ziegler and, and McDaniels and Chan Kelly and everybody's sitting around at the, the team facility looking through all these cut lists of all these other teams. I, I know that there was guys available, you know, some names that just haven't signed anywhere uh, throughout this offseason that a lot of fans were kind of clamoring for, but um, they didn't really seem interested in many of those guys. But I think they look around and you just start to say, all right, who's released? And, I, you know, not every team has released their cuts, just like uh, the Raiders haven't, but they, they've seen them internally. Uh, they know right now who's out there and who's available, and whether you want to put a waiver claim in or wait the 24 hours and try to find out. I think the Raiders are 22nd yep. in waiver priority. So if there's a, a top guy, it might not fall away to you, but, um, you know, think about who you might want to put claims in and then who who clears waivers. By the way, if you've been in the league for over four years, you don't have to clear waivers. You're just a free agent. So uh, all those things are being discussed right now. All those things are being kind of worked through, and, if they see something on tape from some guy that they think has a lot of potential, uh, then I think they will make a move and bring somebody in. But I don't think I don't think that they believe it's the end of the world if they don't. I think as much as it's a question mark, I think they do believe in, in those guys that they have in there. Uh, but as I said, the, the name a name like Thayer Munford uh, has impressed them. Jermaine Illuminor, they know plenty about. They were around him in New England. Uh, they know what he has. And to put him on this roster shows that they're pretty comfortable in him as well. 
What are your thoughts, and you mentioned him earlier, uh, Sam Webb. Uh, he's a guy that played a lot on Friday in preseason game number four, but I thought he really held his own and continued to improve throughout the course of preseason. Yeah, for sure. And I'll, I'll throw, you know, there's a couple of guys that, um, that, you know, that I've been watching and I've been targeting. I'll, I'll throw this one back and say Vinny has been a Sam Webb guy uh, for weeks now mm-hmm. uh, and really pointing him out. And, and I just, you know, I thought he was playing well. I just didn't know if there was a spot for him, especially, you know, with, with other guys ahead of him, like potentially uh, Trayvon Mullen and, and, you know, people like that. But uh, he's, you know, he's been impressive. He's put the work on film. He's put it in practice. Uh, I thought he was just going to be one of those guys that maybe they hope to keep on the practice squad, hope to keep around, or maybe that some other team saw that he was playing really well and grabbed him, but um, maybe the Raiders thought the same thing and they just couldn't expose him. Uh, he earned his way onto this roster. And, you know, we, we did project him to be on the roster after all that work, but, uh, I, you know, I, I think he's just been impressive and, and earned his way into here. Uh, so, you know, good for him. That's what, you know, that's what training camp's for. You see that every year with every team. There's a guy that you might not expect at the beginning. The, the roster... The 53-man projection at the beginning of camp very often looks very different than the one at the end, and, and I don't think many people had him on there maybe at the beginning, but at the end it was, it was going to be really tough to keep him off. Right, no doubt about it. Well, Adam, great stuff as always, my man. Uh, you mentioned that you and Vinny came together on the 53-man projection that you put out in the RJ. What else did you got coming up? Because you know that 53-man projection is probably wrecked right now, and you're going to have to come up with another one. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not too far off. You're, I mean, you're right, but uh, yeah, for sure. Plenty of other stories coming up, including... Uh, the yearly special section coming up in about a week. I think it's about 50 pages. Uh, been up till about 4 in the morning like uh, the rest of the staff has each day the last couple of days, and uh, we're pressing to get that thing out. But uh, the, the preview edition special section coming up on the RJ just, uh, just about a week from now. Nice. I like it. Well, great stuff as always, my man. We appreciate you chiming in on the show today, and we'll see you tomorrow at practice. Yes, sir. See you then. All right. There he goes. Adam Hill from the Las Vegas Review Journal does fantastic work there. Also, ESPN Las Vegas, Cofield and Company, uh, our sister station. You can find Adam on Twitter at Adam Hill, LVRJ. 244 is the time. When we come back, you'll hear from the Hall of Famer himself, Marcus Allen. Got a chance to catch up with him on Friday. You'll hear that conversation next here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Vegas Pete hit us up on the 7S text line at 69187, keyword R&R. So when a team claims someone off waivers, do they go back to go back? Do they go to back of the list? Or if they're 10, they have that spot no matter how many pickups. Hey, hold on. So when a team claims someone off waivers, do they go to back of the list? Or if they're 10th, they have that spot no matter how many pickups. Yeah, no, they they have that spot no matter what. I understand what you're saying. Um, yeah, that was sometimes it comes through on our text line a little a little wonky, but yeah, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, no, it's uh, it, it's they're always going to be tenth. Like the Jaguars are always going to be number one. The the Raiders are always going to be number twenty two. It's just that simple. It, it goes in based in your order. And the Raiders were a playoff team last year, so that's why they're twenty second, and the Jaguars were not. That's why they're number one. And uh, you know, following the draft order, right? I mean, the Raiders were supposed to pick at twenty two overall in the draft, but they traded that for Devontae Adams. So uh, thank you for that text. It'll clear up a little bit of confusion that's out there about the waivers. Uh, Now, on Friday, had an opportunity to catch up with many Raider alumni, including the Hall of Famer himself, Marcus Allen. Uh, Had a few minutes with him. Thought it was great at the Win Club. Here's that conversation. So, Marcus, a day like this, especially with this franchise and how the deep history, bringing the alumni here, what it means? Um, Teammates are everything, man, especially... uh, you forge an incredible bond with guys that you you have this uh, you know this ultimate goal uh, of achieving and uh, the quest to get there. You know it's 
not always easy, man. It's a lot of bumpy roads, a lot of uh, challenges, and um, and I think through that, that's where you develop these great relationships and stuff that last, uh, you know, for a lifetime, frankly. I'd ask a couple of the other guys. You've seen this franchise go from Oakland to L.A., back to Oakland, now to Vegas. The young guys that are on this team now, they use the word brotherhood. They understand the history, what it means. When you hear the word Raiders and brotherhood in the same sentence, what is that definition for you? Well, we're certainly a band of brothers, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> when you... It's, an, it's, it's, an, you know, it's unique. It really is. Uh, and everybody, I'm, I'm sure every organization feels that way, but there's something, you know, the mystique with the Raiders, the, uh, you know, the autumn wind, the song itself, you know, and it really yeah, tells a, an incredible story about an organization that, uh, you know, really sort of believes and, and, and teaches that, hey, if you, it's ours. Let's go get it. And we let nothing stand in our way. So, um, and you have a bunch of guys that, you know, it's almost like as a kid growing up and, you know, and, and, and watching the Raiders and stuff, and they were sort of bigger than life. And then to go there and to, you know, to, to experience and play with that, that same sort of style that I watched on TV and stuff. And so it's, yeah, we have some rich, rich traditions some great, great players. And um, you can't even talk about the National Football League without talking about the Raiders. They're such a... Uh, huge part of the whole entire story so marcus you were drafted by the oakland raiders they moved to la no. right after it was no but when they drafted you they were I was oh. yeah you're on video site <laughs> I always tell people, yeah but oh you, you're right i think yeah. i was but yeah, yeah well, you threw I always say, up. well I, I, I always said i never played in oakland, never played in oakland. It, yeah, but you so. were but you were an la raider yeah. now they're in vegas when you walk in this stadium i mean what do you what goes through your mind when you look around and say wow the raiders finally have a home yeah that, that that's amazing and i said that before uh and what an incredible job Mark Davis did. Uh, you know, it was a, it was an overnight success. It was a long, <laughs> a long time coming, man. Obviously, the years in Los Angeles, as you mentioned, uh, and then going back to, um, to Oakland. Uh, so some people just thought that, you know, this was just a recent event. I'm saying, no, they, they actually moved in 82 to get a new stadium. It didn't work out. They moved back, you know, and, and so uh, this has been a, uh, an ongoing uh, quest and, uh, that Mark fulfilled. Uh, I mean, that's what he wanted to do and stuff. And he built a fabulous, amazing place. It's my first time walking through the wind uh, suite, so it's, it's pretty cool. What, what would you say to the fan base that just hasn't embraced Las Vegas yet because of all oh, the history? Haven't? There's some that haven't yet. Oh, I didn't, I didn't even know that. <laughs> uh, there's a few. Yeah, well, <laughs> there's a few. Now, listen there, you got you got to get on board. Right. <laughs> what was it like being in Canton to see your brother, Cliff Branch, get in, oh, inducted into the man, hall? that was, you know, it was bittersweet, honestly. Right. It was bittersweet because I felt it was long, long overdue, you know. And I had an opportunity to speak, and I said I could not understand why uh, these people didn't witness or, under, you know, didn't see what I witnessed my, you know, my, my rookie year. Uh, until, you know, my last year with Cliff as a, as a player, I witnessed his greatness. And I, and I said this before, the only person that stopped Cliff Branch was the coach and I called him his number. That was it, plain and simple. Mel Blunt, who's one of the greatest TVs that ever played with, telling me he only feared maybe one guy, and it was Cliff. Right. Yeah. That's great. 
There he goes right there, the Hall of Famer, Marcus Allen. You can hear a little emotion in his voice right there when he was talking about Cliff Branch. And uh, was able to talk to him about Cliff, was able to talk about Cliff to Tim Brown and, and multiple others, man. It was just great to see the look in their eye and hear their voice when they talked about the greatness of one Cliff Branch. And so blessed and honored to be there in Canton, Ohio for the enshrinement. So uh, 21 Cliff Branch is uh, forever enshrined into the best fraternity in sports in general, in my opinion, the pro football Hall of Fame. So a lot to get to still on today's show. Got plenty of text messages to get to. We have Motley Crue tickets coming up for September 9th at Allegiant Stadium. Motley Crue will be in the building with Def Leppard, Poison, and Joan Jett. We'll give those tickets out after we talk to John McClain. And John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. And, well, he was from the Houston Chronicle. Retired. He's got some other adventure that he hasn't quite announced yet. We'll see if this is the week that he's able to clue us in and let us know what he's doing. Plus, we'll talk all things NFL with the great John McClain. We'll do it next here on Raider Nation Radio 920.